When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Trigger warning for discussions of spiritual abuse, domestic abuse, child abuse, sexual assault, and sexual abuse. Also, there are Conjuring 3 spoilers for the first three minutes of this episode if you want to skip it. Someplace underneath. So yeah, we saw the newest Conjuring in theaters this week. Uh, I don't know if you're into those bookies as Mm -hmm. much as me, Amber, but man, I'll go see any Conjuring. I'll see any, really any haunted house movie. Just give me a million Conjurings. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, But ooh, ooh, the church propaganda in this one, man. I I think it's because I'm I'm so sensitive because we're doing this right now, but I was mad the movie. (laughs) They basically like, they took the satanic panic and they went like, yes, but what if we re-victimize all the parents who went to jail for no reason by insinuating this unmarried woman who lights black candles is the problem? If they were trying to make Satanism look cool, though, they succeeded because, holy shit, her, the ladies decor. I want the table. I want the chalice. <laughs> it was fun. But yeah, it was some pretty old school, like, you know, unwed woman She's cursed. Going to hell. I mean, Satanist decor is usually cooler than like Christianity decor. Christian decor is like wood with like a tchotchke on it. And Satan decor is like black silk and candles. Yeah, it's very sensual. (laughs) Man, also, Vera, I don't, do you like the other conjurings? The Vera Farmiga and uh, Patrick Wilson? Um, No, I love it all. I can't watch it at home though because I get too scared. Oh, totally. I I love haunted house stuff and jump scares, but I do like to have other people there most of the time. But as a single woman myself who recorded those movies, I'd be going straight to hell. I should be watching that alone. Definitely this last one. I don't know what the hell they decided. It was very old school um, propaganda-ish. And man, okay, look, this is not important, but it is. It takes two Google searches to learn that the Baphomet image was and is not the devil of Christianity, but a drawing by Eliphas Levi called the Sabbatic Goat, and it is meant to represent elemental balance. But since atheist Levian-esque Satanists use it as a symbol and it has titties, 
No further research is needed, huh? Well, it's a spooky symbol. I mean, if I didn't know anything about it, I'd be like, what is this titty thing coming at me? What are you going to titty board me to death? Yeah, it, it sounds like- great. And <laughs> I just am asking people set design, design directors, just do a simple search like, about what it is. No yeah. one in 81 would have even had that. Anyway. No, <laughs> I think it's just meant for like regular folks because I didn't know that the church propaganded um horror movies and somebody told me oh yeah oh my god because i was always looking at marvel movies and i was like this seems like military propaganda for sure (laughs) and then someone's like it is wait do you see what happens with the horror movies and i was like whoa whoa what double take it's all purity culture stuff but um welcome to someplace underneath i uh hello i'm natalie jean i'm amber nelson and that was a that was our collection of conjuring three spoilers for everyone. I wore a shirt with a dragon on it in high school and was immediately pulled out of class, lectured on how that was satanic. And um, then a the, dragon shirt, a dragon just had a dragon on it. <laughs> yes. And then I had to wear, you know how the principal always has a box of clothes that you can wear instead. Oh, God. But they're yeah. like far worse. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't want to wear this. It was like now I would wear it because it was like a silk polka dotted shirt that I think looks probably pretty cool. Yeah. But, you know, when you're like 14, you're just yeah. like, give me back the dragon shirt. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the dragon was satanic, just to be clear, right? You you knew it was a I, satanic Yeah, I think because I did it as like a rebellious thing. And they're like, oh, you want to rebel? Get ready to be disciplined. Dragon. Hate, you yeah. filthy, filthy woman with uh, your, your scales. <laughs> I know. I think that's why I have like an anxiety now as an adult. Because growing up, and like I got good grades. Mm-hmm. I did not do drugs. I did not drink. But it was a lot of like, Amber, what are you doing? It's like everywhere... Every, like sitting, I was doing it wrong. Speaking, I was wrong. Everything was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of that uh, in the IBLP and the people who've recovered from it, where it's the the legitimate best of children that there are. They've done yeah. nothing wrong, but everything that they do is wrong all the time. And they would get beaten. beaten. Yeah. Like not spanked, but beaten. Yeah. And in the, especially in like 1970s culture, that means like with an inch of your life. Yeah. And unfortunately, most of the people in this sect today still basically implement the same exact corporal punishment i guess we'll call it jesus um, is generational and they raise their kids the same way and it's just like all these anxiety issues and people that are like i don't want to do therapy i just bottle up my emotions and beat my kids i'm like sounds like you should talk to somebody probably yeah i think maybe they should just go to therapy for a day yeah. it might it might help uh somebody needs some therapy i know that um his name is bill gothard but it's a little too late because he's 85 years old and it's yeah. not gonna happen no 85 year olds going in therapy nah i wish they would i think you could just like have hashtag new life um <laughs> except for he probably should go to jail that should probably be his new life yeah choices yeah but it won't be you can talk to your cellmate about that buddy for sure um <laughs> well okay so last week uh we we basically wrapped up giving the brief overview of what the IBLP was about. And we briefly mentioned that there was a scandal in in 1980 involving Bill's brother, Steve. So we're going to kind of pick up and talk a little bit more about that because it really shaped the rest of the the group up until now, which it should have just shut it down, but did the opposite. Oh, I got to sweep it under the rug. Forget Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Problems will go away if you sweep it under the rug. Sometimes they do for like multiple decades, like the entire lifetime of us being alive, yeah, basically. Um, so I wanted to start the episode with just this quote. It's from a gentleman. This is a cisborn guy. So I wanted to 
you know, mention this because in no way girls are the only victims of this culture. Oh, I guess yeah. we'll call it culture. Uh, it's from the website Spiritual Sounding Board. And uh, he did not give his name. But his quote is, I am a survivor of Gothard's cult. I experienced unspeakable physical, sexual, and emotional abuse from my mother and father, who were at one point among Gothard's model parents. Gothard is not human. Gothard does not deserve compassion. Gothard is not a man, and he doesn't have the slightest shred of decency or humanity within him. Bill Gothard is a monster in human form, and as far as I'm concerned, he can't die soon enough. Woo! This is savage. A I know this is like a measured, like he's like breathing and trying to form the words. Yeah, with a gun in his hand. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's it's brutal, and I know that it sounds harsh and cold, but this guy, his whole family was ripped apart by this this organization, and. He feels a certain way about it. Yeah, and you're right. It's not just girls like mm -hmm. that are abused in this church. It's boys who are expected to behave a certain way that maybe they, that's not who they are spiritually. For sure. And also, a lot of times they're expected to take care of a lot of things that maybe they're not equipped for and are basically the godheads of their house. And maybe some of them don't want that. Yeah. But they don't have the option. Too and bad, you're Especially boy. if you're from childhood, you are bred to become this sort of well we'll get into what they do their their chart for showing you how the household's supposed to run we're going to oh, get yeah. into this just like a silent workhorse that's what these men are put to no such thing as feelings no definitely no not no definitely yeah. not just bury him down what could go wrong yeah what could go wrong so yes the scandal with fucking steve the brother your brother gets a lot of blame and it, it was steve but it was actually bill and steve um, but as we already established last time, since Bill was the daddy of the group, he was infallible in a lot of people's eyes. The more research, however, that you do on this time, the more you realize that Bill and Steve were working in tandem to coerce women from as far back as the beginning of this organization. So the corruption of Bill, uh, which does sound like a French porn, like, oh man, from the seventies—the corruption of Bill. I love it. I watched um, the story of O. Have you heard that? Seen that movie? I know I've heard that name. That's a French porn from the seventies, yeah. and I'm not really into the things this woman is into. It's all about her discovering her orgasm, yeah, and what she likes to do. I'm not personally into, but like, it's just so hot. Her discovering it, cool. And, like, it's from the seventies. So it was all like just sensuality, womanness, and I was like, fuck yes. See, that's great. I <laughs> yeah. think the corruption of Bill would be really gross and boring, and it would just be him like weeping as he masturbated and Aww. then yeah sweating all of his uh, moose out of his hair just jerking off mayonnaise <laughs> just yeah just cum but you know there's an audience there's a there's a lid for every pot so mm. um, somebody might be into it so we go back maybe even further from the first hand counts we received are from places like the amazing people at recoveringgrace.org it is an, uh, basically a collective of people who came from the IBLP and the ATI who grew up around Bill Gothard, who um, their aim is basically to expose him and the organization for all the this, the pain they've caused. Mm. Um, it's a really helpful resource for heathens like myself and also for people wanting to leave the IBLP and are going through the process of deconstruction. Um, I just wanted to briefly mention 
if you're unfamiliar with the phrase faith deconstruction or theological deconstruction, it's the process of breaking down your held belief system. The author Keith Giles uses the concept of the six pillars of deconstruction. So as it sounds very intense, it can be deeply traumatic for obvious reasons. It's hard for me to even process from the outside because it's, you know, you're you're experiencing your all these things you may have repressed, but also your concept of reality is completely being ripped to shreds. It's like what you thought you were living your whole life for might've been a a lie. And I can't even imagine having to go through that. Anger, the anger. I would would be very angry. (laughs) Oh yeah. And even just something as simple I did today. And that was just go for a walk. Can you you just go for a walk and like peek your head into a store and like Mm -hmm. look at some plants and go home? That's nothing. But to people in this world, that's like, what do you mean? What do you mean you're going on a walk? Yeah. Where's the man? What what are you going on a walk for? For nothing? Yeah. You're just going to walk around and like think about like butts or something. Yeah. Nothing. Just like let my brain go bye-bye. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, absolutely. That their, their lives are so, um, micromanaged in every way, uh, I, I can't imagine the psychological strain that puts on you. And then to try to realize that all of this work and all of this like sacrifice you've been giving was to a charlatan is if you don't have a therapist to go through it, I don't know how you even do. It's it's really yeah. insane. It seems um, like you would probably want to go b- right back into it. It's like how people from North Korea usually end up, they want to go back to North Korea. Yeah, or you leave a cult and then you accidentally find yourself into another cult, which Absolutely. I think we've talked about before. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I get it. Like, no judgment. I completely understand. Um, but, you know, the goal, of course, is to hopefully be able to, to deconstruct so much that you can reconstruct yourself into a different life. You know, it's, it sounds scary deconstruction, but that's, it's because you can create something more beautiful from what you've done. And that's the goal with, uh, especially with people like recovering grace. So I'm really thankful for them. So anyway, so as I had mentioned, I feel like in, in the last episode, I feel like he was, when he started getting like fathers and heads of households coming to him for advice in the 70s instead of just giving it to the youth, the teens, when he's getting these all these families coming like, can you help me? I personally feel like that's when he started to get that full-blown God complex where he mm. was going, ah, these men are coming to me and I must be really cool yeah. and really smart. And if you can get the men, you get the whole family mm-hmm. because Especially, they're yeah. the head of the household. Yeah, yeah. And he really took to the idea that he was the daddy to the others and including the other daddies. And this is, it's here we see him employing his umbrella of protection teachings. And this is how I was raised also. It it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. See, it was hard for me to gauge because I know Bill Gothard is this huge implementer of this, but I couldn't tell if he kind of took it as a general blanket that you know, like Southern Baptists and everybody used or if he created it. So if you kind of had this, did you have this actual image, Amber, given um, to you or just yeah. the idea? Yeah, the image of the umbrella. Yeah, we always talk about the umbrella of life is Christ, husband, wife, and kids. Like I, I as a woman am under a man, always. Yeah. Even under my like my male cousins. It was their word yeah. was more than mine. Yeah. And then it was kind of infuriating because 
people would just be like, all women are liars, you know, yeah. and they don't tell the truth. They have the devil within them. And I was saying, like, I was outing someone who was doing bad things in mm -hmm. the community, but he happened to be a boy. So I got pushed aside and ostracized. Yeah, yeah that and story sucks. It man. sucks. And the court of law come to find out that I was right the whole time. Mm -hmm. But instead of saying Amber was right, um, they just ostracized me even more. They were sort of more mad that you had shaken up the, yeah, like, don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, especially he's a boy and I'm a girl saying these things. Like, yeah. how dare you? That's what they say to me. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that mentality comes from this kind of teaching. So if you're not familiar with this protection umbrella image, you can Google it really easily. I put it up yeah. on our socials, too. But it's basically... Um, it's a tiered level of umbrellas. So the top widest umbrella at the top is Christ. And then the one underneath it, which is almost as big, is the husband, which then says that's the leader, the provider, you, the protector. He's the closest to God. Then underneath the husband is a much smaller, tinier, little cute umbrella that she's under the husband and she's supposed to comfort and nurture and be the, the home person. And then under the wife is the children. Until the boy children are older, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the children's responsibility is to obey. And yeah, this was really bad for me. I mean, I can see if you want to live this life, it worked out for a lot of people. I never want to like totally shit on this kind of umbrella thing because a lot of people, they work for it. I mean, they're fine. But with me entering in the world, I got into so many abusive relationships because I was like, well, I guess I have to follow the man. I mean, I guess he's right. And also I had such low self-esteem like mm -hmm. if you're being told your whole life yeah. that you have the devil inside you and you are bad and you're a liar then i i walked into the world with very low self-esteem trusting any kind of man yeah how dangerous is that i mean it's incredibly dangerous and and i think that what you're saying is to you know it's not to disparage people who want to live in that lifestyle but unfortunately as a, a woman it is an innately toxic place to be because you can't speak up if things aren't okay no. so if they happen to be okay that's great yeah but you, if they're not you can't say anything you about can't it. say anything you just have to really super make sure that the men are okay they're in line they're not they don't have this like machismo abusive thing and you know some dudes don't and they're they're totally great with this but some dudes they abuse the power mm -hmm. or they don't want this they don't yeah, want this and then they're life. very angry and yeah yeah so let's let's talk a little bit more about what the teaching of this umbrella it, these multiple let's, okay i just want to <laughs> first address the elephant in the room that's not how umbrellas work mm -hmm. you don't need Smaller umbrellas on top of bigger umbrellas when you go outside doesn't make any sense. You just need one umbrella. What yeah. if I just had God as my umbrella? Yeah, you Maybe. don't you don't need all of them. So uh, first off, that then the umbrella of protection um, or Godbrella, as I call it, <laughs> uh, it's described. This is directly from the IBLP website. So this is what they say: God-given authorities can be considered umbrellas of protection. By honoring and submitting to authorities, you will receive the privileges of their protection, direction, and accountability. If you resist their instruction and move out from their jurisdictional care, you forfeit your place under their protection and face lives, challenges, and temptations on your own. The concept of an umbrella of protection is illustrated in what the prophet Samuel said to the Israel Israel's king Saul, when Saul disobeyed God's instructions, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. 
Those who participate in witchcraft directly interact with destructive satanic influences. <laughs> Rebellion is similar because through disobedience, you remove yourself from God's full protection and are therefore far more susceptible to the attacks of Satan. Oh, I like your porn voice. Thank you. This is really just to get communities to all line up a certain way so they're easily controlled. Yeah, uh, for fucking sure. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. Um, so this is that's the way that IBLP puts it on their website. They think this sounds solid and a good plan and everybody should just figure that out and go like, yeah, the Bible says it's witchcraft. So an umbrella it is. However, here's I wanted to also see the perspective of people who left the IBLP. And so this is how a former member on Recovering Grace recalls it. The umbrella was over the dad, and if the dad was right with God, then there were no holes in the umbrella. If the mom was under the husband's authority, then Satan couldn't get to her or the kids. But at any time, the dad might get out from under God's protection, and Satan could get him and the family. I say Satan could get with no humor. Satan was the enemy to be feared. If you didn't do what your parents said and do so cheerfully while going the extra mile, then you weren't really obedient. Satan could attack you. Yeah. So, Bill, with that, that being said, there's a lot of ways to abuse that power and also ways to psychologically be damaged just because they're essentially saying that if the dad's good, nobody else can get fucked up. And if somebody else is fucked up, everybody's to blame underneath it. It doesn't make any sense, really. But because of the way that this is being described, Bill himself likened him because he himself was the top of his organization above all of these families he was just below the christ umbrella yeah isn't that funny isn't that funny that there's a whole hierarchy and you're right above everybody yeah isn't that that cool isn't that fun for him (laughs) so yeah so basically it was like kids wife husband way down here husbands are a pretty high up mid-level maybe chest level then head level up here is bill and then you go up one wrong ladder and it's christ so that's that's totally chill and there is as you heard them talking about satan a lot there's a strong fixation of satan in the iblp um they be fixating on Satan, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Satan's just like, gosh, so much attention. They would really give more attention to Satan than they would to God. And my church, I remember going to church a lot. I'm like, we're talking an awful lot about Satan. Like, I want to talk about God and like the mysteries of the universe and how cool that is and right. helping people. And like, that's why I like to be here. Not like who's sinning, who's going to hell. Yeah. Who's what's the problems, what you should be afraid of 24 seven. Yeah. It's just a constant like be afraid of this. Be afraid of this. You should be afraid of that. Like mm-hmm. that gives you so much anxiety. Yeah. And yeah, like you're saying, a lot of religions talk about a devil of some sort, but the fundamentalists really obsess over it. And when you take a step back and look at it, it makes sense because in high control situations like this, that's a faceless, all encompassing threat. It's a form of spiritual terrorism and it's a way to to shut people down. It also, it unfortunately, it creates an inability to self-direct whether or not this is intentional by the governing body to discern what's right and wrong, it's sort of held in front of you, not inside of you. So this is useful for abusers so they can abuse, but it also leads people to be sometimes nearly incapable of inductive reasoning and sometimes even empathy. 
because all they're thinking about is this list of what they can and can't do and whether or not it's going to send them to an eternal torment or yeah. not. And if something bad happened to somebody, it was their fault. Yeah. And sometimes you just fell down a well because there's a well in your backyard. It's but, not because you misdid Satan. But Satan might have put the well there because you did something. <laughs> uh, as a result, you know, like some of these people in these groups also have a really hard time taking accountability for their actions and their misdeeds. Because even though you're being told it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. They're also saying at the same time, it's the devil's fault. It's Satan's fault. You've been penetrated. It's Satan's gotten into you. And so especially with some of these guys, I'm saying I'm bringing this up because of Josh Duggar. Um, <laughs> some of these guys, anytime that they, quote unquote, fall, it's the devil that did it. The devil got into me. The oh, devil's, I got tempted. Maybe my, my child got out from under the umbrella. And so it's the child's fault. It's never your fault. So that very light, light of logic, what they're saying is if you're staying under the protection of God, simply nothing bad can happen to you, including your own actions. And if you do do something bad, it's because you accidentally strayed outside of the Godbrella and were attacked by Satan, presumably with a pitchfork or a sort of like a flaming sword. Flamethrower? Flamethrower, maybe. A dildo? A gun dildo? Ooh, cat and nine tails. I like all of these instruments. So that's what happens if you step a foot out of that godbrella. Oh God, such little space. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. So this is also from the Recovering Grace account. This attack could happen in many ways. Anything bad that happened, from a pet dying to getting stuck in traffic, was portrayed as an attack from Satan that you had done something to deserve it. Actual cause and effect or responsibility were never considered. Also, there was always the opposite possibility that Satan was attacking your life because you were doing something so wonderful that he just couldn't stand idly by while you accomplished God's will. This is, uh, by the way, what, what remember this exact phrasing whenever we talk about Josh Duggar's actions later, my friends. <laughs> Thus, if bad things happened, you were either properly under authority or out from under authority. Please don't ask me what distinguishes between the two. I have no idea. Yeah, so they basically say attacks from Satan come because you were being so good, the devil needed to attack you or you strayed. I think un the under authority one is more in connection to men most of the time, where if the men did something wrong, it's because they were doing such a good job mm. that Satan got upset. Yeah, it's never like the wife is doing such a great job. No, it's like she, she did something outside of her husband's... Her thoughts. Right. She thought something bad. She thought about another man's nipples or something um 
So not surprisingly, Bill uses this umbrella theory in the broader sense whenever that suits him. Uh, so if anyone on his staff disobeyed or disappointed him in some way or, you know, didn't follow his exact steps of direction, this is also from Covering Grace. Bill used different tactics in imposing the authority teachings on his staff of mostly young women. Even though they were no longer teenagers, he encouraged them to remain under the authority and protection of their fathers. Bill himself idolized his own father. And during the scandal... The scandal we're about to talk about, by the way. Even used the excuse of his father's influence on why he refused to submit to his board of directors, from which his father had resigned in disgrace. However, even beyond his teachings on authority, Bill was primarily concerned about his legacy. When a staff member would come to Bill with a direction from their father that interfered with Bill's plans for them, Bill would either suggest that their father was unfit to direct them or that, as members of his ministry, his staff were effectively his children. And their ultimate authority, Bill would accept no disagreement. One former staff member explained it like this. Those who questioned his authority were asked to leave and were labeled as failures. Bill would explain that they had failed God and were resistant to God's chain of command. The Gothard family was at the top of IBYC's biblical chain of command. Yeah, so the IBYC, again, if you remember, it was the organization was originally called the Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts before it became the Institute. I just feel like the Institute in Basic Life Principles. Institute in Basic Basic Life Principles. I feel like this language is gaslighting me. And I'm like, that's not how it should be. Institute of Basic Life Principles. And there's like, no, this is how it is. That's how it always been. And you go, okay, okay. Okay, it's just so hard to say. (laughs) It's like my mouth is rejecting this idea. Yeah. So... There you see Bill conflating himself with God, the Christ Bill, Krill. Krill. It's a celebrity couple name, Christ and Bill. He is basically saying, if you're disobeying me, you're disobeying God. Can you see how that might be a problem? Maybe a cult there. Maybe just in there. And again, like Christianity, I don't want to shame Christianity, but I want to shame somebody who says, I am just below God and I know what God wants. You listen to me. And give me all your money. <laughs> oh, and give me all your money and your daughters. And your daughters. Yeah. Oops. Maybe. How? What parent in their right mind would be like, yeah, I'll send my daughters off to this fucking dude? Yeah. And that's the thing is that a lot of these parents have to, as we'll, we'll find out later, the kids are the ones receiving the most damage. Some of these ones who had to go with him. And the parents are also under the spell of the sky to the point where the whole family is going through therapy and the parents are like paying for their kids therapy and stuff because they were like, oh, we fucked up really bad. But it's, you know, it's from looking at it this way, you go, how can you even think to do this? But then I remember I was in really bad relationships that I didn't understand until I was out of them. And then you go, what did I just do for the last three and a half years? Yeah. That's crazy. Who was I? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And again, I guess if you have somebody that's like, hey, you obey these rules, you get to heaven. Wouldn't that be great? Because life is so difficult. It really is. And you want someone says you just follow me and that's fine. Okay, I'll do it. Yeah. You're living for the next life anyway. So it doesn't really matter what happens to you here. So back to that scandal between 1970 and 1980, as this ministry slash business slash call, whatever you want to call it, grew. Bill's staff of secretaries went from about 25 to 75 women. 
These women were often expected to dedicate their entire beings to the organization and ultimately the Gothard family. Mm. Because while Bill was the head, his father, his brother Steve, and several other of his family members had leadership roles within the IBYC and the IBLP. Steve, if you will recall, was said to be having affairs, quote unquote, with these women who were often cornered, mentally manipulated, and at times literally trapped with him at one of their IBLP-funded retreat centers known as the Northwoods. It, and it's in the Upper Peninsula of a Michigan like that part that's like the not glove hand part, but the yeah. little side piece that's like a Canada almost. Yeah. And there's no bars around there. So I doubt that they can be like pulling up a seat on the stool and being like, hey, this guy said this thing to me that I should submit to him and I have to be a secretary. And everybody's just like, what are you doing? Have yeah. a shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if there were bars, which they're not, they would never have been allowed to go to them. No. Growing up, there were no bars in my town. There was one bar a town over and it was told like, you do not go there. You never, it was like, that's where the Satan lives. Cool. Did you ever get to go in? <laughs> I never got in. It was always told that that's where bad people go. I mean, there probably were bad people in there too, but. <laughs> yeah, because if you're raised in like a town where it's just like, you have to behave, behave, behave this way. And as soon as you can like start sinning, quote unquote, yeah. when you sin, you sin, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh which it can be fine in certain circumstances, but also can be a lot of self-destruction. And also, if you don't understand another thing we're going to talk about with the Josh Jugger situation, if you don't understand the difference between consensual sex and like molesting your sister, say that they're this on the same level of being wrong. Sometimes when you go hard, you don't have any way to discern what is right and wrong. You don't. They just they would really smoke like two packs of cigarettes a day and just be drunk all day. And like, I'm not into that, but I would like to sin with free thought. Yeah, that sounds great. Like to show some, you know, cleavage <laughs> every once in a while and then still have the, the right to say you can't touch me. Even yeah. if my boobies are showing. All what? I want is a swim up bar and a bathing suit. Yeah. Like, don't fucking touch me. I mean, it's really simple, man. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my church so but there really wasn't there bars you know if they had been there they wouldn't have been able to see them but they they weren't there it's or, just yeah. like it's wilderness a bowling alley something nothing there's not even a bowling alley where i'm from i did a quick little google search of this area today modern times and there's still only like a couple general stores near this because the 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 place called the Northwoods still exists, but as far as I know, the IBLP doesn't own it anymore. Oh I all, hope not. Good Lord. Good Lord. All people um, did was gossip. That's all they did. Yeah. There's this thing about like Southern hospitality, which is true because I've definitely gone to dinner parties in the North and they're just like not the same. For sure. But um, there's a lot of, but in the South, it's a lot of like, come on in. And they really are like judging you. Sure. The Isn't that time? the whole, like the whole bless your heart joke? Yeah. Yeah, your heart's not getting blessed. Nah. They're, ba they're basically saying, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's how it was up there. And it legit makes me think of Epstein's Island in a certain way. Uh, Steve, his brother, was actually known to have porn flown in. And th these women were sometimes forced to watch with him. It's expensive porn. Fly it in. I, mean, I think that was the only way you could do it back then. I guess so. Just airdrop it like it's military supplies. Oh, don't worry. They have their own fleet of private jets, you know, like oh. the impoverished um, spiritual leaders who are trying to like Jesus. Jesus okay. had a couple jets, I of think. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
Yeah, and and it was mostly just these young women. It wasn't it wasn't like there were families there who uh, you know maybe Steve could slip in in and out unseen. He had full reign over these people and it was also Bill. I don't know what he did to normalize it, but they must have gone through terror and trauma really badly and the, it was inflicted upon them and they were sent there to, supposedly to work for the church. I mean, that's got to be so sad. Like, imagine a little girl in this church your whole life. Like, you grow up in the woods and you're taught, like, respect authority. Maybe your dad is a good dude. And you're like, respect and follow a man and follow God and all everything is well. And then you get to go work with the big dude and he's just, like, showing you porn. He's like, wait, this isn't it. Yeah, I mean, they're, the, these young women were taught that this was this huge privilege that they were chosen that they were special part of their grooming was to be told that like you're going to serve up here because you are so revered in this church Mm. Um, this is also from recovering grace while at the Northwoods, or when traveling for seminars, Bill made it a habit to visit his secretary's rooms as they prepared for bed, asking for a long hug good night. One trusted staff member walked into Bill's private cabin in the Northwoods to find a female staff member sitting on his lap wearing a sheer nightdress. The man was later badly mistreated by Bill and Steve and forced to resign in disgrace. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Isn't so that crazy. The, there was very few guys up there in the if any of them said anything, they would basically kind of just be um, demonized. Yeah. And then like, so this guy was kicked out of the church. What does he go do? What does he go do now? His hopefully life, something better. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he leaves. But that's hard to leave. For sure. Um, during this period, this is, you know, this between the 70s and 80s. Bill scouted his own executive secretary. I call it scouting like it's a model search because he was clearly prowling his youth conflict seminars and he spotted her at one of those. She turned 18 in 1970 and she was starting college, but Bill decided that he must have her and he convinced her to drop out of school and come attend to him. She was effectively controlled by him for the next 10 years. God. And what, she was like 28 when she got out? 28's young, but according to this, they're just like, you old bitch. Yeah. (laughs) From Recovering Grace. Bill became enamored with this fresh and pretty young woman and made her his personal secretary shortly after she arrived. Their relationship blossomed into a dating relationship that was tame for its day, but rather shocking by Bill's famously public dating standards. Bill often asked her to sit on his lap in his office. They would lie together outside and look at the stars. According to her later accounts, his young secretary was not attracted to Bill, but she cared for him and accepted his attentions. She became emotionally attached to him and was very loyal. Bill would often say that he didn't know what God had for them in the future. Later, he would insist that he never intended to marry her, and he certainly didn't promise marriage, but the impressions his secretary was left with were very different. What a fucking asshole wasting her time. Oh, yeah. Wasting her time. I mean, they also, they call it dating in this quote. This is, you know, testimony from people Mm -hmm. who were there at the time. But in 1970, Bill would have been around 36 years old, um, like around how old we are now, Amber. And it would be like if you and I went circling around high schools 
and just plucked some kid from his life and then called him our boyfriend. That's so gross. <laughs> yeah, like we just found some kid on TikTok and we were like, we're in a relationship now. That's so um, gross. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely fucked up. But people consider them like women at 18. They definitely did in this period, but it was f for the druthers of the dudes. Yeah. Uh, they would say that. I mean, it was the same shit in my secular world when I was dating, you know, a guy in his 30s when I was 19 years old and he was treating me like I just thought I was so mature. Yeah. You know? And then you realize it's because nobody else would have dated him. Yeah, because he's a loser. Yeah. Um, so it was... Obviously, this is very much grooming. Um, but in this time period, in that culture, like we were just saying, women were only given the hope that whatever older man was interested in them wouldn't be abusive yeah. in this like in this lifestyle. She was led to believe that God wanted her to give Bill Gothard boners instead of going to college. The fact that she wasn't sexually interested in him was not something she thought she even had the option to consider. Yeah. What she wanted didn't seem to matter. And what God, a.k.a. Bill Gothard, wanted was all that mattered. Yeah, I never even asked myself, am I attracted to them? Right. It's like, they're like me. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, we keep saying that. It's like, it is something that really, I think sometimes in these situations, those women, those young women never even considered do yeah. I have any interest in this man that yeah. I'm stuck with in the forest? Hmm, I guess doesn't really matter, does it? Because I'm here. Uh, so, yeah. So this behavior continued almost from Bill, uh, almost entirely unaddressed for the next four decades. That's right. We will hear from girls of this generation with the same goddamn stories. And we'll talk about them a little later on in the series. <sighs> The only time it was brought up until 2015 was in 1980. <laughs> there were people who were watching this blatant behavior from Bill and his brother who seemed to exhibit it pretty openly with next to no shame. Bill's influence over his followers and his parishioners, it allowed him to get away with a lot. Yeah, just drunk with power. Yeah. He could do whatever he wants. He, he really had them snowed, but he couldn't get away with everything. In particular, there was a male artist who had spent time working at the Northwoods retreat, and he refused to stay silent. There was also a man named Tony who spoke out. Um, I believe he's a different guy than the artist, but there are a couple men who really had to push hard to get anybody to take notice. And it was like, really, it sucks because the women are so inundated with this destructive biblical womanhood bullshit that it literally just took a couple guys to come in and go... Wait a second. This looks like trafficking. Yeah, this, this is human trafficking. And then when Bill and Steve's behavior could no longer be brushed under the rug, they were sort of forced into confessing. Uh, they put the same level of blame, however, on these women who, most of whom were just over the legal age of consent yeah. when they were sent off to do the Lord's work up in the forest. Because it's never their fault. It's like, oh, I was tempted by the devil. Oh, yeah. No, they were the Bill and Steve were defrauded by these women. It's what they really posited um, to people who had found out. And some of those people kind of did also blame the women. The women were like doubly traumatized because then these women were shipped off to this place in the forest and then were completely uncomfortable with what was happening, but let it happen. And yeah. then they go, why did you make us do this to you? Uh I want to punch this dude in the dick really badly. Yeah, they just that's another reason why a lot of women don't come out. 
mm-hmm. with abuse is you they get fucking blamed. Yeah. And I mean, it is written directly into their doctrine, which we'll talk about uh, the IBLP over and over again talks about what did you do to, to contribute to this? So yeah. that's every time like I wear things going around. I was like, well, you can't wear that. Those pants are too tight. You can't wear that. That top is too. And I'm like, and I, I eventually don't like even now as an adult, I don't wear these like tight, low things when I go home because I don't want to get leered at. I mean, I, same sometimes. I don't want to get going, jumped. I don't, I don't want to deal. I don't feel like I need to do control my body but i also don't want to deal with it i don't want to deal with the shit that's yeah gonna come at me and i hate doing that like i i want to be free and wear whatever i want but yes i also don't i don't want to deal i don't have anything to prove to anybody i'm gonna get on a plane and i'm gonna leave w- women should be able to walk down the street naked and not be assaulted yeah not that you should do that but if you were it's not the problem of that person for you to take keep your hands off yeah of them. men are not wild animals they're human beings that are civilians they they're they perfectly capable of not doing bad things to people for sure so this is but this is not how they feel no <laughs> bill does not agree um he bill by the way also participated in all this you know the cliche televangelist prosperity gospel shit he uh that's it. That is to say, he pretended that he only made a stipend and all the money they were making on the seminars went into the church programs. But his whole family had lavish homes and fancy cars, not to mention just they just had a couple of jets. No big deal. They had a lot of money also into the Northwoods retreat, the uh, Michigan pedo spa that they had. They put a lot of money into that as well to make it real nice. A pedo spa? The Northwoods, I'm just calling it that. They, they basically, they had a harem of women up there who were working technically, but also they were there for other reasons, clearly. Yeah. How much can you do as a secretary in the woods? What do you, what kind of books are you filing? I don't know. Not, not a lot. Like this frog jumped two feet today? Okay. I mean, but doesn't this make you think of Sea Org where these people are just like pushing papers around all day that don't mean anything? Yeah, they don't do anything. Um, so... Even though they exceeded in shaming these women for, I guess, being alive around them and people really bought into it was partly the women's fault. They also did lose a large chunk of their most loyal staff and closest followers. There were people who actually saw this and went, oh, you're full of shit. Goodbye. I'm leaving now. Uh, So it did cause a rift amongst the core group. But there were a portion of them who didn't want to see the truth and they leaned into the defrauding excuses. Yeah, that's usually what happens. Like when someone's in a bad relationship and you say, you should get out of this relationship. They are like punching the wall. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is they won't leave. And they'll, they'll, they'll almost double down they'll on They'll double it. down with his partner. Right. So that did happen to some of the people. There were, thankfully, I'm glad some people saw this and decided like, oh, this guy's piece of shit uh however since this was before the time of you know immediate communications between large groups he managed to sort of cause a get a gossip cauterization he cauterized the rumors going around within the bigger name of the iblp so you know he had all these followers who aren't living their day-to-day just like scientology does where there's the main core but then there's all these other practicing people on the outside where they get most of their like smaller amounts of money yeah they're just working at arby's yeah yeah so, no big deal. Just scientologists at arby's working around absolutely money. yeah same thing here so 
he managed to sort of get those people. He definitely, I'm certain, abused the Bible to achieve this by spouting off scriptures that would guilt people to stay silent um, and to shutting up about what happened. So people kind of on the outside knew something happened, but they didn't really know the details of it. There was just some like little, what's the drama up there in the forest? Uh, So at the end of the day, though, even with all the victim blaming that Steve and, and Bill did and the finger pointing, the other uh, chairman on the of the IBLP decided it would be best if Bill stepped down for a bit. He didn't want to do that, but he, he fought it. But to, uh, eventually in July of 1980, an evangelical lawyer named John McLario. Ooh, that sounds like a crazy job. An evangelical lawyer? Yeah, I don't... Ooh, just pushing around paperwork all day. Who's getting abused? Who's taking what? Fighting uh, to keep the women down and the man up. Get them personal jets going. I mean, of course Pimps up, hose down. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> Pants up, hose down. Remember, do you remember HBO, Pimps Up, Hose Down? No. That was a great doc on H- 90s HBO. Oh, is that when they had like Taxi Cab... Not Taxi Cab Confessions. Oh, yeah. Taxi Cab Confessions, man. I love that. Just mm-hmm. that raw TV. Now it's all people in a hot tub being like, who wants to fuck? Like, that's, that's boring. That's boring. <laughs> Give me your stinky old cab. I know. Uh, but sorry, what were you saying about Tom McClary? Oh, we were talking about the uh, lawyer, yes. Oh, yeah, the lawyer. And also, like, you asked him to step down. He's not stepping down. He's got these private jets. Oh, yeah. I mean, he didn't really step down. They basically were trying to do... McLario came in almost as like um, like cleanup. Bill was right there behind him pulling the strings. McLario was trash. And he was really there more to keep like victims quiet in the guise of for the greater good. The greater good being the millions of dollars they were pulling in. I can see him shaking his finger at these women right now. Mm-hmm. You better behave, you young ladies. And then there's like a scripture reading and then Yeah, and like, but I don't know what else I can do. And then they go, all right, as long as you stop yelling. <laughs> um, so that was his job basically when he stepped in in July. 17 days later, though, John McLario resigned reportedly to avoid dealing publicly with his own alleged sexual immorality. Oh, it always can't comes. can't fucking make this shit up, man. Yeah, it always comes back to that every time. 17 days he was in. 17 so- days? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that is quick. These are all fucking, these are all pervs. All these guys are pervs. I don't trust any of these dudes. No. So Bill immediately jumped back in, but for several months, he operated in the shadows, sort of. I think to sort of normalize himself being back in the groove where he would just sort of like come in snapping his fingers one day like, hey, guys, what's going on? I've yeah. always been here, right? And then it did oh kind of work. He just kind of showed, eventually just like worked his way back up to just being in the supreme seat. Ugh, that's like being at a party and being like, you know what? I got to fucking go. I got to buy, buy, buy. You just like leave and then you come back like, hey. Yeah, just act like you didn't just like completely ruin everybody's <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> you got any white claws left? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that is, uh, that's what he did. Uh, there's a longer version of this. It involves a lot of infighting, threats, lies you know back and forth it's very long and if you're interested in seeing that breakdown of that time period or just want to read the experiences of former members i highly recommend again you check out recoveringgrace.org it's it's really uh chalk filled and they they come with the receipts they have everything to back up everything they're saying they have so much paperwork like they have put 
the work in to wow. show all the stuff that happened at the time. Just a bunch of pissed off people with a gun in their hand. Yeah. And a bottle of whiskey being like, I'm going to get it done. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> for sure. You can tell the, the anger behind the people who did it, but they do in a very... Can, they're they're doing a controlled way where it's not just about revenge. Like they're like, no, this is what happened. Here's the paperwork. Here's the phone logs. Here is the lawyer's contract. Here, God it's, bless them. Because yeah, I, know. I know I would say something just so bad yeah. that the whole thing would be like, Amber, come on, you can't just say go kill all these guys with a dildo. I gun. know, I know. And the whole website would get taken down. I know. I mean, I just said I wanted to punch him in the dick, which is probably not a good thing. To yeah, say I don't think you should say that on public. <laughs> in public. I don't condone violence, but you but. don't run recoveringgrace.org these beautiful calm people do yes when it comes to buying your first home everyone has questions can we even afford to buy a house right now well i need to negotiate how do i even negotiate luckily a remax agent has answers hey brian those are really good questions they are thanks it's my first time buying i work with first-time buyers all the time i got you Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Uh, it was during this time of pain and upheaval that Bill really set his sights on teaching the children. Mm. As you will when you've gone into full megalomania. So, because of course, that's when their brains are the most, you know, malleable and squishy. Oh my God, so, yes. yeah. So when they were in the process of reordering these things, more so to cover up the crimes and not to repent or feel shame or regret or anything, he finally put his dream into place, sort of. His dream being he wanted to start a brick and mortar school. Uh, he wanted to join an improv troupe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. He called him, uh, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. That's their short form improv group. <laughs> oh, no. And they... <laughs> uh, um, I would, I'd go see it. I'm yeah, not going to lie. Throw some tomatoes on stage. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see. He wanted to start the school so he could basically bring kids shipped to him and they could all be together. <laughs> but he couldn't get it worked out in, in Illinois. It was just some governmental thing. It wasn't for any good reason. It was just, you know, he couldn't get the paperwork together. Yeah, those pesky parents just wouldn't let him. Yeah. So he devised the ATI program instead, known at the time as Advanced Training Institute of America or the ATIA. This is his homeschooling program. This is basically what the Duggars went through and is still functioning today. This is also the program we were talking about last time where the pamphlets talk about how's the kidney like a godly father, that sort of stuff. Wow. So I mean, you should be healthy, you know, but like, yeah. come on, man. What do you mean, kidney godly father? What are you doing here? They do definitely dehumanize people in general, especially like... The, the kids, they train them like animals that you don't like very much, like mm -hmm. animals that you don't care about. Um, so they do kind of dehumanize people a lot in those things. But, you know, it's sort of like teaching the basics of reading and writing and arithmetic, but with prayers like worked into metaphors of everything. 
But that's unfortunately not as far as it goes. It goes a lot deeper in conditioning. So within the ATI, at the time called ATIA, he started an apprenticeship program where young students would come learn from him at the Oak Brook campus in Oak Brook, Illinois. So where he wanted to do the brick and mortar school was in Oak Brook. And while he couldn't do that, they still had like their headquarters there. So within the ATI, they'd get some kids in there, at least he could get some of the kids in his fucking claws away from their parents. They, he would have their apprenticeship program there. So it's almost like from the scandal, he t- what he took away was not that maybe he was a bad person, but that the people he was he were was manipulating weren't um, moldable enough. So he needed to get younger people in. This idea, in fact, having the apprenticeship program resolved his staffing crisis following the 1980 scandal because again, some people left. Um, but having these kids come in and provided free labor to many of the businessmen's retreats and counseling seminars that Bill was starting to offer at the Northwoods and around the country. That's weird. A businessman's retreat with kids with free labor. I mean, I do think the kids should do some more labor around here, like put down the video games and pick up a mop. You know what I mean? <laughs> but what is this businessman's retreat? It sounds like you're just shining their shoes. Um, it's some of that, but yeah, it's, I mean, again, this is like all see org shit and these apprenticeship programs might've been like, late mid late teens like uh, they, he's grooming it's mostly to groom girls like let's just, just be girls. blunt yeah. about that um but it so, sounds like if you're a boy in this community it's like hey i want to go learn i Why? mean and they do they had boys there too at this point it's probably slightly better for them in the situation but i don't know if it's that much better no they're probably just not getting um mangled as much physically so people um in Bill's fear who hadn't yet left were becoming more disenchanted. And some of them noticed that this new endeavor that he was pulling all the same shit in uh, was still putting people in harm's way, like we were just saying. And from the account of one such person. I remember Bill saying that the ATI students were all encouraged and given the time to attend the sessions and that he was working on an ATI type medical school similar to the legal one. It sounded wonderful. These bright young kids that all looked and dressed the same could sit shoulder to shoulder with doctors and learn how God really wanted medicine to be. But that was not the whole story. Each ATI student had to pay their own way to Chicago. Then the Institute drove them to the Northwoods in a bus. Again, they were charged for that privilege. I don't remember if they had to pay for room and board, but they were there to work. The girls cleaned the rooms and facility. The boys were waiters and worked in the kitchen and did the heavy lifting. I remember the kids were tired and during any free time, they just wanted to hang out and not hear a seminar on vasectomy reversals. Some rode bikes and could get away in mixed company and circumvent the attempt to segregate them. Ruth and I walked away thinking the only difference between us and them, ATI students, was that we were paid staff, not much, and the kids were paying to be staff under the guise of apprenticeships. The whole thing in our mind was a sham, and as I think the former director said, a new revenue stream. So that was a person who was working in the Northwoods area uh, who was experiencing these apprenticeship programs and going, 
this seems fucked up, man. Uh, but not really having the ability at the time to say anything because they were yeah. still kind of snowed by all of it. And also kids, like, it's hard to express. Like, this is wrong. I don't know how it's wrong. So many bad things would happen to me and I'd be like, I don't know how to say it's wrong. Yeah, for sure. And the person who was telling this story was in a, into adulthood, but I'm sure pretty young still. Um, and again, this all sounds a lot like the Sea Org to yeah. me. Except here in this iteration, it seems like their training was centered around unfettered procreation instead of the Sea Org's anti-kid status. Mm. Because, I mean, the doctors are talking about how to make sure your dick can have semen go through it again. Perfect and healthy in every way. Yeah. So it's tomato, tomato. In my opinion, it's about control in either way. But they they do... they they have the same sort of ring to them. Yeah, this sounds like a midsummer. Like, did they light the elderly on fire? <laughs> Would have been a lot cooler if it was. <laughs> tell you that much. Um, <laughs> at least they get to take mushrooms at midsummer. So the ATI was now dictating how the children should act while the parents took separate courses and the IBLP that dictated how they handled their children when not attending a program that was directly under Bill Gothard's eye. Under the umbrella method, the fathers held all the responsibility in the home, which I imagine was quite daunting and resulted in a lot of rage in certain people. This was in turn exacted on wives and children pretty frequently, with some of the mothers as well turning on the children, who probably hated being in that home-bodied position. This is chaos. While Bill was teaching docility and obedience to the women and children, he was also encouraging corporal punishment. Um, so... We're going to wrap up pretty soon here. I wanted to go through this quote. This is the same gentleman we talked, uh, the first quote from the beginning, who was so quietly angry. Oh, man, this that tempered. Yeah. And this is how I feel. I am trying to control myself. Yeah, yes. this person. So this is also him. He, this man spent his youth and early adulthood in the ATI and IBLP throughout the 80s and 90s. Um, this is him speaking on his childhood and I'm, um, we, I know we issued trigger warnings, but just this is a little bit upsetting. Yeah. So, is it also weirdly weird that I was reading this and I was like, I can change him, and I'm also attracted. <laughs> I was like strangely attracted to this man. I don't know. Well, in 2015, he was still single. I know that. All so. right. <laughs> so he says. It's hard to dredge up specific examples of behaviors that resulted in beatings. I'm going to use the term beating rather than spanking because that's what they were. Because frankly, my recollection of the events leading up to the beatings are hazy. As our family began to seriously decay and slide toward doom, punishments extended to include making a salad incorrectly, accidentally dropping a dish or a milk bottle, getting the bathroom floor wet during a bath, not setting the table for dinner quickly enough, forgetting to put clothes in our laundry basket, putting a back door on the bookshelf in the wrong place. In other words, in each reveal, perceived imperfection became grounds for beating. The stipulation was that we had to hold still and submissively accept the beating, and we had to stop crying and be silent and not make a sound. This was a specific part of Gothard's beating protocol found in one of his pamphlets. The silent, limp submission to a beating was his metric for a repentant spirit. To this day, I cannot show normal emotional responses to my environment as a result of the adversive conditioning. I reflexively suppress every emotional response. I cannot maintain a long-term relationship with a woman because of this emotional dysfunction, which is why I'm still single at 44. I have had therapists hint that I might be a sociopath because of the superficial appearance of this emotional dysfunction, 
which I know to not be the case. I have emotions. I just cannot show or express them properly. It makes me want to kill myself. I can change him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's really, that's <laughs> no, bad no. for me to say. I know. I mean, man, I feel for, I feel for him. That's, that it's sucks. It also a- sucks to the therapist then to go, are you a sociopath? And you're like, no. Someone listen to me. I had my emotions beaten out of me, told me I'd go to hell. And like the no crying thing, that really just says you aren't allowed to express yourself. So then you become an adult and things happen and you don't know how to let out your emotions in a positive way. So you just no. go do these other bad things. Yeah. Um, we didn't even get into train up the child on this episode. We uh, will probably get to the it to the in the next episode. Oh, but my grandfather gave that book to my mother. Uh, okay, so you're just like you are right adjacent to all We're of pretty this. Adjacent, I think my mother did. She threw the book away. I hope so because it's really bad. Yeah, because uh, I think he. I was at three years old. He was spanking me because I like threw something down off the table. He, he whipped me, and I turned around and I said, "Now, why did you do that?" <laughs> And then you went to my mom and gave her this book, How to Train Up Your Child. Man, they were trying to get you out of there as soon as possible. I think so. All I these think, questions. Yeah. My mother and father did the best they could. They sure. really, really did. You know, and um, my mother, I think because she was like 42 when she had me. Mm-hmm. So she had lived a long life and she'd already seen a lot of the bullshit men had thrown her way. Yeah. So from an early age, she instilled in me in like working hard, taking care of yourself. Yeah. I mean, I still was under this umbrella bullshit at church. Yeah. But I could come home to and I could like see an empowered woman. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, you know, I think that's the case with some of the people. Very fortunately, they had a parent. Maybe one was more into it and then or one, you know, they grew up in it and they had, their grandparents had started doing it. And then one of their parents was like, yeah, like be religious, but like also like maybe do other things too and like yeah. think about other things in a different way. Maybe you can think for yourself. You yeah, know? like read the Bible the way you want to read it. Yeah, like um, they encouraged me to read. They're like, read yeah, all the books. That's great. I mean, knowledge is power and they do not like that no. here. So if you get taught to read, I think that was one of my saving graces growing up too is my my mom and my grandmothers really pushed me to read early. But to train up a child is not one you want to read necessarily. No, you don't. Or, I mean, read it, but maybe don't implement it in your life. I think it also teaches men to, I don't know if it's this book or one similar to it, but it teaches men to uh, bathe with their sons so men can see what a male body looks like. Like to I take a shower with no, their sons. No, I didn't. I didn't catch that excerpt, but that could be in there. <laughs> the uh, the pearls, the couple uh, who wrote to train up a child. Even though this book wasn't written by Gothard, it's used by Gothardites, and it implements the same or similar recommendations for child abuse. So Bill Gothard and the pearls, they I think they sort of played off each other a little bit. They had very similar ideas about how children should be punished. Ugh. Um, Ugh, just punishing kids? It just teaches them as adults. But it also teaches, I mean, they, they go uh, as far as in, you're supposed to start, if you're breastfeeding an infant and they're biting your nipple, you're supposed to pull their hair. That's how early on they're, they start doing psychological training to the kids. Oh my God. Um, It's fucked up. So we're going to talk more about that in the next episode or possibly the fourth one. We'll see how we get through. But the last thing I wanted to touch on was from a different person, a woman who went through ATI and IBLP from 1985 to 2005. So similar era to this gentleman. Um, she went from childhood to adulthood. She went from ATI to becoming an employee and working directly for Bill for three years of that time period. So she was in the thick of it. Oof. 
This is her quote. My life at home in my early 20s was miserable. I felt trapped in a world of working towards everyone else's goals except my own. I had dreams of working in the medical field, but ATI told my parents that higher education through college was dangerous and wrong and that women were to be quiet, stay at home, cook, clean, and care for children. Many people have asked me why I did not run away or tried to escape. It's simple. I had almost no money since my parents needed and took much of what I earned. My parents controlled every part of my life, including who my friends were and what I did every moment of every day. I was taught that God would curse me if I tried to do anything on my own. There was no leaving without my parents' permission. I was in a mental, emotional, economic, and spiritual prison. It makes me sad that people were like, why didn't you just leave? Yeah, I mean, why that's... Did, come on, just like get on a flight and then get out of there and go get a matcha tea. Yeah, it is a very ignorant thing to ask somebody. And, you know, we can give them the benefit of the doubt that they just really have no conception of this. But you obviously, the, the psychological damage that's done is what causes people to not just walk away. Yeah, it's the same we were talking about in the last episode, the horse tied to the plastic chair. Yes, Not exactly. saying that this person's a horse at all. No, of course not. But that's like a symbol of it. Absolutely. The horse could just run away any time. Right. But, but it thinks, oh, I'm stuck here. Yeah, I've got this chain on me. I guess I can't. And this is, again, under the umbrella, women, no matter their age, are not permitted to leave their father's home until they're handed over to a husband. Even though this woman was an adult and earning an income, she had to live with her parents because she was single and turn large portions of her income over to her parents. This, among a host of issues that I disagree with, are objectively stifling to people and is the reason many people in this kind of community get married so young. Of course, they're also all horned up. Yeah. But a lot of them just want some semblance of control over their own lives, even if as a woman, you're still forced to acquiesce to your husband. Yeah, they're just like, oh, I get out of the house now. I can get out of my house. I, mean, I don't going, have to raise my younger siblings anymore. Yeah, you. I mean, you go somewhere else and like now you have some power. Yeah. So if you're lucky as a woman, you find out that the veritable stranger that you've just tied yourself to until you die is pretty cool and maybe more interested in your happiness than the church is. Or sometimes you end up with Josh Duggar. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So we're going to finish here. Um, we're clearly easing up towards the, the Duggar saga. But uh, yeah, I wanted to sort of clarify what goes on in this world, how Bill how strong his stranglehold is on people that he went through all this stuff in the 80s and then he just made it go away and he actually made it sh the 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 organization got bigger after yeah that went through it's almost like he felt like at some level you must have felt like god was empowering him that he he made it through that trial uh that he must be doing the right thing. Yeah, he battled the demons. He battled the devil and he survived. He must be even stronger. And yep. people, they want something to believe in. They want to believe, I go to heaven, I get a seafood tower. You know, I want a seafood tower. Oh. I just obey these rules and I get a swim up bar and a seafood tower and all the pina coladas. Oh my gosh, it sounds great. <laughs> and your heaven, your version of heaven doesn't even enslave anybody else. That's, no. that's not always the case. No, we're all in a swim up bar, baby. Everybody's 
freely in the swim bar their oh choice God. to do it yeah love it and it's all a water park for adults but there's no cum this is what i want oh, i want to go to your heaven that I sounds know. amazing i want a water park for adults simply yeah. because kids pee everywhere yeah. but adults come everywhere yeah so like let's make a water park for adults with no cum yeah I, I get it i love i'm a theme park fiend i love water parks but if you say I want an adult water or park or an adult theme park, you immediately mean, oh, you mean you want to have sex there? And it's like, no, yeah. I just I just don't want to hear kids screaming. Screaming, shoving me, sneezing everywhere. I mean, kids are a delight and oh, they sure. are a miracle. I love them. Right. But love like, it. let's be honest, like some little boys poking at his pee pee and being like, look, and just like peeing in the pool. Yeah. No. No, I, thank you. So, all right, I'll be visiting your heaven then. Um, and, <laughs> What's your uh, heaven, Natalie? <laughs> um. I mean, you know, it's not good. It's going to sound like copying now, but I think it would be an amusement park. I love fucking dark rides. I love a lazy river. Give it to me. Yeah. Give it to me all day. But you know what? The good thing is we can make that heaven in this world today now. Yes, we so can. we'll just work on making our own non-sexual adult water park <laughs> while we're here. No coming in here. No coming it. Uh, I'm we Natalie come lifeguards. <laughs> is the, I see you coming over there. You coming over there. Oh, yeah. We'll have definitely. We'll have come security <laughs> just like a nun walking around <laughs> okay we'll get the god back in there that way but they'll, they'll shame you for being sexual i'm natalie jean you can follow me at the natty jean you can follow the show at someplace underneath on tiktok and instagram amber i am amber smelson s-m-e-l-s-o-n on instagram twitter patreon all that jazz thank you yeah see you later bye This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.